Warning, the following podcast contains violent scenes that may be unsettling to some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, and welcome to Changing the Lost Vanity. Vanity is a first edition Chronicles of Darkness game set in southern Florida during the year 1993. Father Katrina, played by Tillman, Raymond, played by Chris, Isabel, played by Andrew, Frank, played by Slavic, and Adam as the storyteller, as they uncover the mysteries of the true Fae and forge new paths for themselves in a world of beauty and madness. Follow us on Twitter at twin underscore cities underscore VTM for channel updates, and we hope you enjoy this episode. Hello everyone, welcome to the character creation session for uh, Changeling the Lost Vanity, which is a game that uh, Adam is going to be running. So I'm going to hand this over to Adam and he's going to steer the ship. Adam, it's all yours. All right, what's up, guys? This is going to be Changeling the Lost Vanity. Uh, it's a first edition Changeling the Lost game. It's going to be set in 1993, Fort Lauderdale, Florida. So um, to get started, we'll just uh, we'll just start introducing the uh, the characters here. We have uh, Andrew, who's going to be playing Isabel Mariana Martinez, the um, fairest succubus. We have Tillman, who's going to be playing Katrina Lake, the fairest dancer. Uh, Raymond, played by Christopher, who is a darkling mirror skin. And Frank, played by Slavic, who is a ogre gargantuan. Um, so to kick it off, we'll just uh, go through and, and each person can kind of describe um, their character in a uh in a like the mortal side of their character first. So why don't we start with uh we'll start with Slavic here since this is the sheet that I have open. And so just tell me a little bit about Frank. Who was Frank before his durance? Um okay. what, what was his life and what kind of person was he? Well, in life he lived a pretty simple life. The problem is he lived a pretty simple life somewhere during the 14th century in medieval medieval England. So he was a a shepherd who still lived with his family in in a multi-generational house. And, you know, he was just a simple shepherd and he was a bit slow. You know, his family sort of accepted it. He could still do his work on the farm. And so one day he was sort of, you know, uh, with his sheep on, uh, you know, with, with his sheep herd, uh, and a sheep got lost. And he went to look for it, and when he went looking for it, uh, he sort of, you know, w- went too far somewhere into the dark woods, and he went across into the hedge. And yeah, that's how he became a changeling. All right, awesome. I love it. Um, so, did he, like, have any family or anything, or was he just kind of, oh. like, a lonely shepherd out there on his, in his land? Uh, yeah, I, like I said, multi-generational house, he had a family and stuff, you know, right. how it was, like, three generations living in a single sort of house, you know, you know also farmhands there, whatever. Okay, very cool, very cool, and, um... What does he? What does he look like as a just as like a regular guy? Uh-huh. Okay, so he's really tall. 
uh, like after he became a changeling, even his normal appearance became even taller, but he, he was still like over six feet tall. And now, now he's over seven feet tall. He, he weighs over 200 pounds in, you know, uh, freedom units. <laughs> <laughs> he looks 45, but in reality he's 35, but you know, he lived a pretty harsh life. He has black hair, green eyes, and you know, that pale English skin. And how old is he? I should have asked you that before. Um, 35. Okay, cool. All right, awesome. Um, Anything else you want to add about his just regular human side? Yeah, uh, for now, I want him, you know, he already uh, lives in this, in the modern day, sort of, he lives there for like five years, let's say. And, you know, so he already understands modern, uh, sort of modern day stuff a bit. He's still a bit shocked by it. And, you know, he's not the smartest guy. So his, uh, I guess, uh, you know, friends or whatever from the summer court got him a job at a warehouse. And, you know, just a simple job. And, yeah, that's it, I guess. Awesome, dude. All right. Love it. Um... All right, next, let's do uh, Andrew. Okay. All right. Um, my character was actually born under a different name. She goes by Isabel Martinez now, but whenever she was born, she actually had the reverse. Uh, it was uh, Mariana Isabella Martinez. And she was born during the Cuban Missile Crisis. Her parents were actually... Uh, trying to move into the United States before that happened and that delayed it. And she was actually born there in Cuba and eventually they were able to secure passage into the United States illegally. And she was um, raised there uh, for most of her life. You know, um, they left everything behind in order to get to, you know, out of Cuba at that time. It was, it was a pretty bad place to be. And uh, they wanted something better for her. So she grew up um, in Florida, in in the uh, Miami area. She, this is her home. That's why she moved back here after everything that happened. Um, her, her father was um, really into muscle cars, uh, American muscle cars. And he had an auto shop. And so like, and that's kind of what he did before they moved. So he was able to build up a, uh, uh, a place for them. In, a, in America and uh, gets and eventually, you know, become citizens. And, and uh, she grew up just with uh, a normal American life. Um, around 12, she went through puberty and started getting a lot of unwanted attention from males. Uh, she was a very attractive young lady. And um, about 14 years old is whenever she was taken by a fae into the, uh, she was more like, kidnapped rather than just wandered into it she just was deliberately stolen okay um so before she was taken uh what what were the relationships that she had did she have any friends just her parents um family yeah she had she had friends and stuff you know she was a kid in school she was 14 you know she was just about to go into high school she's in you know uh she had some friends, she had her parents and, and, uh, there was no like other family 
in the US that they had. Um, it was just them. So it was mostly, most of her connections were through like friends she made at school. Okay, cool. Awesome. Um, what does she look like? Uh, now or? Um, she... like, like before she was taken. Well, she's, um, when she, she was only 14 when she was taken. So yeah. she's, she's changed a lot in that time, but she was, like I said, she, she was one of those early bloomers. And so she looked much older than she was and had a lot of, um, unwanted male attention. Um, very attractive, uh, dark hair, dark, uh, dark eyes, uh, you know, Spanish descent. Okay, cool. Awesome. Um, I forget what else I was going to ask. Oh, do, yeah. Is there anything else you want to add about the, the moral side of your, of your character? Um, it's cool if you like, if you pretty much covered it. No, I think that's everything from like before. Okay, awesome. Um, all right, let's move on to Tillman. Destri- describe uh, Katrina for me, her, her uh, mortal self. Katrina Lake, um, she looks very uh, Eastern European, let's say. So she has very pale skin uh, and her natural hair color was blonde. Um, nowadays it's red, like uh, an unnatural red dye. Um, she's about 23 years old right now. Um, she was taken when she was around 20. And basically, her mortal backstory is um, she grew up um, daughter of a Ukrainian uh, immigrant um, who to uh, marry an American and therefore stay permanently in the US. Um, and very early on, her mother taught her uh, dancing or basically uh, forced her to dance. Her original plan was uh, to get her daughter into ballet and, well, more classical dancing, but uh, Katrina then changed to Latin dancing. And after school, uh, well, she uh, basically started working at the dance school she's already been going to for years. And uh, a real plan is becoming a professional show dancer. So on tournaments uh, around the world, but well, she makes a basic income teaching dancing to, uh, well, teenagers. What kind of relationships does she have in the, like the dance center that she, she worked at? Um, how is she like received there? Does she like have a lot of friends there? Is she respected there? Yeah, she's definitely respected as well. One of the team, she spends almost 24 hours of a day there and okay. seven days a week because, well, it's a job with bad working hours. Like you've, uh, your work is always when other people have free time so you can teach them. And you have to stay up very late because there are dance evenings that you have to, um, well, supervise and whatnot. And also she's, uh, uh, she has uh, to do her training for her tournaments. So that's, Another part, and she is always on uh, on the go to, well, go to a tournament, whatever. And um, I'd say she has very little uh, contacts out of her uh, outside of her dance school. Basically, her family, but that's it. And obviously, her dance partner. I don't have a name for him right now. We can we can uh, we can definitely come up with that. I have a feeling that 
that relationship is going to play like an important role in the story. So I definitely kind of want to get into that. Oh, yeah, yeah, Brian. Let's call it Brian. <laughs> of course. Perfect. <laughs> and um, what, what does Katrina look like? Uh, as I said, she has very pale skin, red long hair, um, and she has, uh, well, a really good figure, let's say. She's a little short, but she's very athletic, not muscular, but, well, um, you know that she's a dancer, like she's doing sports every day. Mm, what does I she dress like? This, um, most of the time, she dresses quite casual, like for training and whatnot. Like when she walks around uh, around town, she dresses in jeans, t-shirt, whatever. Um, for tournaments, she goes all out. Like she has a whole set of uh, tournament uh, clothing, uh, really quite uh, intricate dress dresses with um, all kinds of extras she added herself. Very nice. Um, and did you want to add anything else about Katrina? Let's see. I don't think so. No. All right. Awesome. I think that was it. Good stuff, dude. Um, all right, Chris, tell us about Raymond. Yeah, uh, Raymond Zeller was born in 1948. Uh, was uh, his father? He was born in um, the Everglades of Florida. His father was a, a World War II vet who was deep into alcoholism. Uh, basically. Uh, worked shitty menial jobs and would like, uh, you know, beat his mother and kind of like be harsh on his kids. He ended up, uh, uh, you know, he was poor white trash growing up, you know, in the Everglades area. And he ended up uh, realizing at an early age that he was kind of different than the other kids around him. And the fact that like he took to reading and he took to school where most kids were either a dropping out of school, you know, in the fifties to get jobs to help support their families or, you know, just, weren't genetically inclined to, to, to make much sense of what was being taught in school. But he kind of realized that he was different. He got made fun of somewhat, uh, but it was even more uh, determination and drive for him to eventually get scholarships um, to where he eventually went to college and then to medical school at this time. Uh, when he started going to school, he realized just like, even though he was like educated, uh, he was socially awkward around these people that, you know, went to, went to these state colleges or medical schools that he went to, you know, where, yeah, he could, you know, recite with them, you know, whatever, you know, they needed to know. But like when it came to like knowing how to dress normally or personal hygiene or even, you know, behavior like that, uh, he, he wasn't too keen on. So he felt he was kind of an outcast, <clears throat> which in a way kind of drove him to at that time in the, in the late sixties, uh, early 70s to cosmetic surgery, you know, like he graduated, he, he ended up moving to the Miami area. Uh, he uh, realized he was good with cosmetic surgery. He started making money. He got his teeth fixed, his teeth capped and bleached. You know what I mean? His skin that was once oily, you know what I mean? He started taking care of, he started getting haircuts, started fitting in. And, and along with that, he ended up getting a trophy wife uh, at that time uh, who he ended up having a daughter with. 70s uh and but soon he found out that pretty much that like his trophy wife was exactly that just a trophy wife and he started uh he started uh, uh realizing that like his work and everything that he was doing for to, to raise in social status somewhat was 
didn't seem as important once his daughter was born. Uh, that scene, you know what I mean? He started realizing that he, his daughter was something special to him because she was born in a normal life and had a normal opportunity not to have to make up for all the, you know, like he had to make up for all his inadequacies growing up. So uh, eventually, uh, and, and you can stop me if you've got any questions during this, but eventually he, uh, I don't know if we can go into this later, but he uh, walked into his wife having an affair on him. He kind of had an idea that she was having an affair. Had an, uh, he kind of had an idea in the back of his head his wife might be having an affair on him. He, You know, his daughter was five at the time. They'd, he'd been married for about 10 years. He, but he never really like tried to like find out what she did until uh, – one day uh, he came home earlier from his private practice that he had, which was successful. And he walked in on her having an affair with someone like in the middle of having sex uh, with someone in his bedroom. And in an act of passion, he grabbed a gun from the drawer and he shot both of them and the, uh, while they're in bed there and killed them going, you know, I mean, we can go into how uh, further to, up to like when he was kidnapped or whatever, uh, but uh, I can do that now if you want to, or we can wait till later. It's your call. Uh, yeah, we'll we'll uh, we'll stop there Adam. for that story, but we're definitely gonna get more into yeah, that. Yeah, delve into that. Absolutely. Yeah. So what he looks like? He basically uh, he's about five foot eleven, five foot ten, very average looking. Uh, but ha- um, you know, at that did time, did you say that he had he had like uh, cosmetic work done to himself, or is just, yeah, okay. yeah. He, he would have had cosmetic work done to himself, like to hide either acne scars or to fix like a nose. You know what I mean? That he felt right. was like, or especially his teeth. Cause he had really bad teeth. You know what I mean? Just because of like a lack of personal hygiene. Uh, um, you know, maybe he, I don't know. I mean, like he, 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 not after he came back, he's not as vain, but back then he was really just trying to fit in, you know? So like he had blonde hair that was parted and, and 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 cut nice and 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 at that time he'd wear like you know kind of like t- um uh business casual type clothing like khaki pants and like a armani shirt or you know what i mean something to that extent but to not like like new york business stock you know exchange you know wearing a full three-piece suit but he'd wear like nice business casual because it's florida and florida's a little bit more relaxed yeah you know it's I mean? and, and kind of like hot that. to wear like full suits all the time yeah yeah yeah, like yeah. Definitely but, like but he dresses like sharp though he's like if people saw him they would definitely say like that's like a yeah, successful yeah, yeah. man then, like you know all right yeah, very cool back then he definitely did yeah. Um, what else was I gonna ask? Let me see. I think you, I think you covered pretty much everything I was gonna ask. Let me just, uh, let me see. So, like, what were his relationships at his practice like? Um, uh, pretty straightforward. Like, he had like, uh, he had a couple uh people who were probably working underneath him. He treated them all with respect. In a way, he was almost like he wasn't. His his outer image wasn't like uh, backed up by his attitude. You know what I mean? Like he was still like he he uh, was somewhat a little bit shy at the time. You know what I mean? He wasn't as aggressive as a lot of people who came from wealth. You know what I mean? How like he would never. He was not one of those people who would talk down to like quote unquote the help. You know what I mean? Like customer service people, he'd always be polite to and nice. Where he'd see his peers like get angry at the country club if like their Arnold Palmer didn't come you know quick enough. And he was never like that. So he didn't have the attitude to match the image for him. The image was just for him trying to fit in. So he had a good relationship with the people he good relationships with the people he worked for. You know, and it, it, it's like it's like his practice, right? Like it's, it's oh like, yeah, okay. I so yeah, that's. That's the whole reason he got his wife because he had like a successful practice in Miami, yeah, and shit like that. Yeah. All right. Cool. Um, anything else you want to add about about Raymond Zeller? 
No, that, that, the, not until we go, you know, go into after they become changelings. But yeah, that was pretty much his life. His Good life shit. was fake. Yep. All right. And I think, yeah, why don't, why don't we just go right into that next? Because I think you guys pretty much covered all the uh, mortal backstory stuff. So let's, uh, let's start back with Slavic again. And Slavic, describe to me um, the situation in which Frank was, was taken by the true Fae. Um, what was that like? What did it look like? Yeah, so like I said, he basically and uh, now I, he basically went into a deep into a forest and couldn't find his sheep. And you know, he went deeper and deeper and it got darker and then, you know, I changed and the next thing he knew, he got into uh Arcadia, that's that's the name for it, right? Yep. Yeah. And there he saw a massive flock of sheep tended by the biggest thing person, sort of, he ever saw. And, you know, uh, this giant or this fae noticed him and uh, it got an idea. It took him under its wing, sort of, or made him its servant and uh, made him sort of take care of of the huge flock that he had and you know he was beaten often for things he didn't understand because he under didn't understand what the fae was talking about uh, the fae was talking about in a talking to him in a strange language he at first didn't understand and you know uh only after a while did he did the words from the fae sort of start to make sense it was a it was pretty different from, you know, the language he was used to. And, yeah, uh, do you want, do you also want the story of how he got back into the real world? Or, well, this world, yes. Um. Yeah, but before that, um, tell me, uh, I know you, you kind of, you kind of already touched upon, like, all this stuff, but what was the, what was his keeper like? What did he, like, what did he look like? Yeah, basically he was this giant of a man, muscly with with a huge beard, and uh, you know, basically a giant. Okay. All right. Um, and so, all right, yeah. So let's get into that. How did you How did you get out of there? Well, in a way, it was the same same way he got in. A sheep got lost. He went after it, and. He sort of got through, uh, you know, got through the hedge that way. He started running through the hedge, and he went after it. And even after the cuts and stuff, and it dripping into his soul, he still went after it because he knew that he, you know, he'd probably be beaten within an inch of his life if it got lost. Awesome. And so, how long did this whole imprisonment last? Well. From his perspective, it'd be like a couple of years, most, like maybe two or something. But you know, in the real world or in our world, it's kind of uh, you know several hundred years have passed. And, okay, awesome. You know, yeah. And so, what happened to him when he when he popped out of the hedge into uh into Fort Lauderdale? I'm imagining. Yeah. So first he thought he was in a different part of Arcadia. He saw cars, 
people uh, speaking in the strange language that his fake keeper talked to him. And uh, he sort of, he got, well, arrested as, uh, you know, the police thought he was an escaped mental patient who thought he was a shepherd from England. And a couple of local summer court changelings noticed this and thought it was weird, so they decided to check it out. And they actually re uh, realized that he's also a changeling, so they sort of got him out of there and took him under his wing and tried to explain everything about the modern world and how what happened to him, how time flows differently, and all these things, you know. Awesome. So is his is his uh, uh like relation and like allegiance to the summer court just kind of out of? Oh yeah, it's definitely all. Uh, sort of loyalty thing that he feels he owes them and they helped him he, so he's with yeah, them right exactly cool. he isn't awesome. a particularly like angry or aggressive person even though you know he's very physically strong very physically fit uh and that's why they also want to you know keep him because uh he sort of embodies some of those ideals that they have of, you know, being able to fight, but he's not all there, like, philosophically speaking. Okay, awesome. And let's see. Alright, so where is Frank at now? Um, like, what's his uh, life like now? How is he How is oh, he kind of adjusted with this, this new condition and this yeah, like, so new like, strange place? Like I said, he, he works a warehouse job and he has like a one room apartment or something like that where he sort of lives. I think he has a, he has a small dog like that, you know, he just <laughs> awesome. needs to have an animal or something to pet. And, you know, he has this tiny little dog because a bigger dog wouldn't fit in his apartment. So he has like a pug, <laughs> uh, you know. It's hilarious when he takes him for a walk and, you know, he has that giant of a man and this tiny dog is walking there. Wow. All right. That's awesome. It's a good image. Um, uh, does he have any, like, strong mortal connections now that he's been back or is it pretty much just his... Uh, no, his definitely not. But he's, he's, you know, he's not the smartest guy and uh, he's still sometimes, you know, uh, he's sometimes still a little bit strange to... Uh, outsiders, non-changeling people that don't understand that, you know, he's literally been, you know, went through time almost, in a way. Um, what is, what does Frank want? Is he trying to... Oh, uh, he definitely wants to protect, like, his friends and his, like, the court members stuff uh but you know what he really wants is probably to save enough money to <laughs> uh get a herd of sheep and live uh out somewhere in the country but he doesn't know how to sort of you know uh, organize this awesome so like his his like biggest desire is probably just to get back yeah to, uh, it's just a simple life exactly uh, awesome he doesn't have to deal with all these complicated things, all these, you know, fear that his, the Fae could hunt them at any moment, stuff like that. All right. Um, all right, so that's all great. So, Andrew, a.k.a. Isabel Mariana Martinez, um, 
what was what was your what was your endurance like? What was the situation like? It was it was a very dramatic shift from her life before. She was, you know, just a kid in school, you know, and she had this uh, teacher that was um, just. You know the type, the really creepy kind of like, like he's he's looking at you in ways that shouldn't be looking at you kind of ways, and um, just kind of lured her away from people. Um, you know, it, it made some thing up like, oh, you have bad grades or something, and we need to have a, a thing after school, and uh, kind of uh, tricked her into following him to into the hedge. And only after the fact did it reveal itself to be like this, this thing, this changeling or not changeling, uh, this true fae, this satyr, this monster that kidnaps young women and keeps them as these just slaves. And so her life just did a complete 180. She went from having just a normal childhood to suddenly she's having to learn how to please and, uh, and just fit in with all this, this harem of young girls that have been taken, you know, and having to deal with the politics of, of uh, all this, this hierarchy they have built, you know, living under this, this, uh, this thing that just goes out and abducts young girls. And so she, uh, she kind of um, started adapting to her situation and getting stronger for it. You know, she started using subterfuge and uh, misdirection and, and uh, just underhanded tactics to try and just build like this power structure under herself. And over time she became like the, basically like the top girl, you know, um, here she is this uh, sex slave that's been stolen away. And she has learned to put herself in a position of power where she was at but over time he kind of just lost interest in her she's getting older she's not just a young girl anymore she's aging and getting to like her 20s in appearance wise um and just this disgusting thing doesn't have any interest in her in, in her anymore after that and so she just like decided that she was going to leave because she didn't want to be like cast aside you know there's this weird kind of situation where she was like, she felt attached to the Fae, but also didn't want to be totally rejected by it and would rather take this like out of like trying to get away. And so she fled and made it back through the hedge, just barely, you know, just completely lost and found that um, a lot more time had passed than what she thought. You know, here she was in her mid twenties and it now it's the nineties, you know? so much time had passed. She was 14 when she left. She's only aged about like seven, eight years, you know? And, uh, now it's, uh, it's more that she's, uh, she's, she's also a little bit of a fish out, not quite as much as what Slavic was saying, not even close, but like, you know, these are, this, this is a little bit further ahead than what she thought she was going to be and found that in her absence, like her family moved on without her. They didn't know that she was even gone. She had this thing taking her place, looking like her, growing up and living her life. Uh, the the fetch that uh, just uh, her her whole life was t- stolen from her. And so whenever she found some other changelings, she was able to get some help in creating a new identity. And that's when she decided that she'd uh, 
take up the name Isabel Mariana Martinez. She didn't want to completely abandon everything she was. She still wanted to maintain like some kind of, uh, like she stayed in around her hometown. She stayed close by. She's able to go and see like her family now, but they don't know who she is. You know, they, she, she's a much younger version of herself. So if they did ever meet her in person, they would think, you know, Oh wow. Did, you know, did you have a kid and not tell us like, you know, it's one of those things where she's, uh, there's no way she could return back to her family, you know? So she's trying to forge a new life now. So would you say that she like, she kind of watches them from afar? Occasionally. Yeah. It's like one of those things where it's, it's like whenever she gets, in a situation where she's just like uh, starting to kind of uh, get too much pressure and having to deal with all of the abuse uh, that she, because it was abuse that she went through, you know, to it's, it's a, it's a really good way to go and find like a solid rock, something that she can, you know, see people that she can connect to, even if she's just observing them and just like, remember like, no, this is who I am and I can, I can be strong. Awesome, dude. And uh, so, like, what is she? How does she view her fetch? Does does it look like her family kind of has just accepted the fetch as her? Is is it? You know, what yeah. are, what are her feelings towards seeing this this inhuman thing that's kind of just living your life for you? At first, at first, she was a little bit more than just she was like pissed off and jealous, you know, at first. But then she came to realize, like. You know, there's nothing that she can do about it anyway, you know? See, she can't, she can't take that life back. And that's why, you know, like I said, she wanted to move forward with a new identity um, and have like, she got some help from like the summer court to uh, just, just forge a new identity, someone to be someone new and move forward. She's, she's not trying to look back. She wants to advance and build up that kind of like, power base that she had before, you know, manipulating other people to just, you know, serve her desires. Right. And how did she kind of fall into this, the summer court? Um, is it, does she connect with the ideals of the court or is, is it just kind of the group that she fell in with? Um, it's, it's the ones who reached out to help her whenever she right. was. In. And so she, she just feels allegiance to them because of that. You know, like they helped her and now she like, she, she's got to help them back. You know, she doesn't have strong ties to them. I didn't take any like merits or anything, but she is officially part of the summer court. Very good. Um, let me see. Um, what are her, uh, mortal connections now that she's, she's back in the, the mundane world? Um, does she have a job? Does she have any friends that are? Yeah. Yeah. She's, um. Now she's, she's a real estate agent. You know, the, the real estate business is growing in Florida at this time. She's, uh, and she's really good at convincing people, uh, especially men to do what she wants and to spend money where they probably shouldn't and to, to invest in things that they shouldn't. So she's, uh, she takes advantage of people by, uh, just trying to build up personal wealth by, through real estate. And so, she has like, there's a company she works for and she has a boss and she has, you know, these, uh, uh, these, these connections, but she doesn't have any sort of like real 
deep human connections because she tries to keep everyone kind of at a distance, you know, even when, even when it's like a completely, totally like, uh, personal contact, contact, like, uh, like sleeping with someone, she still keeps those people at a distance because for her, sex is just a tool, you know? And so like, she doesn't actually form bonds with other people very easily. She ch- she's learned that through all the abuse that she had, that she has to keep everyone at bay because if you don't, you know, you're just going to end up hurt. They're right. just going to take advantage of you. So she, she does have some connections to people, but they're not really solid. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, that's good shit, dude. Um, um, what is, what's like her, her biggest goal? What does she want the most out of, out of this new life that she has? Um, well, she just, Really, she just wants to try and move past everything that happened to her. She wants to try and, like, like it still kind of haunts her that, like, all of this happened to her, and now she's gone, and and, and she has to make this new life. And so she's just re- – her ultimate goal is to just somehow find peace with herself. And so she does things like – she has a pretty active nightlife going to the club scene and, and – just occasionally does some drugs and meets up, hooks up with people, just trying to just party and forget about everything. Awesome. All right. That's good stuff. Um, is there anything else you wanted to add? Um, I don't, I don't think so. I think I covered everything. All right, awesome. Yeah. That was, that was pretty, uh, pretty detailed. These are, these are like awesome, awesome concepts, by the way, you guys, these are so far. I'm just like seriously loving it. Like I couldn't have came up with anything better. It's just amazing. So, all right. <laughs> um, so Tillman, let's uh, let's get into to Katrina's um, experience with the true fay. Right. So uh, I forgot to mention earlier, she grew up in Lauderdale, and around when she was twenty, she one night um, had one of her dance tournaments. It went mediocre, not quite as well as she wanted. So. Um, she, uh, was in her dress room and basically was the last one there and abruptly, um, like a small, uh, I uh, wrote Igor like figure, like a hunchback with really bad skin, crooked teeth, uh, grabbed her through the, uh, through the locker and dragged her basically through the wall that no longer was a wall through the hedge into Arcadia. There she got to meet uh, two keepers. Um, they are uh, um, evil stepmother type. Uh, two females, one really tall, stern looking, but uh, not sternly dressed, actually really extravagant. The other one also extravagantly dressed, but really obese and uh, full of weird makeup, almost like a clown. And they basically treated her like like a decorative pet. So they, um, the plan was to show her around like a poodle who can jump through hoops and has, uh, painted fur and whatnot. So, um, the first thing they had to do to her was like mold her into shape. So, uh, they stretched her legs to make them look unnaturally long and beautiful. Um, they put her in a corset and did all kinds of things to her, uh, to her face. To make her eyes bigger and more pointed and whatnot, um, colored her skin and her hair. Obviously, the hair 
stuck around. So uh, now as well as a human, uh, she still appears to have a permanent unnatural red dye, but uh, her skin thankfully remains pale. Um, and well, basically uh, then for what seemed like another 20 years, she was this uh, pet that was shown around. And one day she managed to, well, run away while she was waiting for her, for her act behind the curtain and her two keepers were distracted and managed to get back into Lauderdale, thankfully. And 10 years had passed. So now it's around 1990. And uh, I guess the autumn court, uh, well, helped her out. So that's the court she ended up with. And she um, managed to... She managed well to uh, adapt to the new times because, well, not much time had really passed. So she learned how to use computers and she managed to find a job at a different dancing school and she even managed to find a new dance partner. But um, so far she's, well, she has some, some trust issues and anxiety to meet her family or some of her old co-workers and her old uh, dance partner. Um, I haven't decided uh, uh, whether there was a fetch in her place. That's something we can talk about. Yeah, yeah. Um, did you do you want to leave it for now? Like maybe Katrina doesn't know. If, yeah, if I think a... that's a good concept. Okay, cool. And like, so has she has she kind of looked in to see what her family's been doing, or has she just totally avoided that? Um, I'd say she has totally avoided it out of fear, okay. basically. Like she she can't really grasp what has happened. Like uh, her wish is to make it all go away, but obviously that doesn't work. So she knows the second best thing is to start new with a new identity, but not made that step yet. And in a way the autumn court can maybe help her, but I'd say they can also really abuse her being the autumn court. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. All right. That's awesome. Um, I ask some real quick. I'm just curious. Yeah. When yeah. you say they can abu- they can abuse her because of the autumn court, what like what what do you mean by that? I'm thinking about the fleeting autumn contract, which she also has, where you can instill fear in other people. And uh, I'd say she's pretty easily abused by that. Well, uh, the autumn court is like the only um, place of trust for her right now. Um. She'll probably rely on them pretty heavily. So uh, if they um, want to do something, she's probably willing to do it. Okay, cool. I was just curious. Sorry. No problem. Yeah, yeah. Okay, uh, so what does Katrina want the most out of of life right now? Um, As I said, uh, her biggest wish is to make it all (laughs) not happen. Yeah. That doesn't work. So... um, she she's looking for some stability, but she doesn't know where to find it. So um, she really wants to pursue her dancing career again because that's that has been the constant in her previous life, and maybe find some confidence to uh, confront her family, even though she doesn't know how to, and well, build a new living. Very good, very good. Um... Anything else you want to add? I think that's pretty much it from me. Uh, I think yeah, she, with it. Um, she has a very small apartment, like a one-room apartment. Right. Um, and, uh, well, she has 
little bit of income due to her new dancing teacher job, uh, but she doesn't have a car, for example, so she really doesn't have much money. Okay. All right. Um, does she does she like know anybody in her apartment building? And like, what are her relationships at at, at her current studio like? Um, she managed to find a new uh, dance partner, as I said. Yeah. I have a second dot in friend, but I think that just means it's a good friend. Hmm. Is that is it is it a really good friend, or does that mean you have two friends? Yeah, that's know. what that's what I don't remember, but I think it means it's a good friend, someone okay. you can rely on. Um, and yeah, of course, she knows some of her coworkers not as well as the ones from the previous dance school because she's only been there for maybe like a year, and she has one contact like a costume designer and i'd say they're probably fairly close at least on the the dancing show business level awesome all right everybody loves raymond yeah right uh you'd say almost too much after i describe what happens to him but uh so uh i, I kind of mentioned in passing basically about how like in 1977 he uh came home one day during the day to this like nice house he had in Miami or whatever. Uh, and he noticed his housekeeper was gone. And usually he thought his housekeeper would come during the day. And then he steps into the foray and he hears like throughout the house, the sounds of his wife having sex with someone. And he basically finds himself just like, um, like the frustrations of like the rejection of his parents and who he grew up in and then trying to fit in and then having this wife and, who uh it just who who he knows probably he's never loved him ever you know what i mean and uh just all like just accumulated and he found himself seeing red where pretty much he ran up the stairs uh opened the door and um pretty much was just like went straight saw his wife in the middle of, of, of having sex with a stranger he doesn't know who the guy is and just reached into this drawer where he knew he had a a, a gun and he just a pistol and he shot both of them and like before, like even like the the smell of gunpowder disappeared, he realized like as soon as he saw them both lying in bed there, that uh, yeah, he shouldn't have done that. You know what I mean? And it went from being like this instantaneous like like rage and this out this uh, outlet of all that anger to like panic. And he was somehow like in a moment like able to like think clearly enough to like call back to his practice and tell his secretary to have someone pick up his daughter from school. And when he did that, he he realized he had like this motivation to make this go away because of his daughter. You know what I mean? And he started thinking to himself, well, if I can make these bodies disappear, um, I can make um like just say that my wife ran off because she was never happy with me. You know what I mean? And it could just be him and his daughter. He could raise his daughter. And maybe he was like he even started like motivating himself to the fact that like he could maybe quit working in the industry and just like, you know what I mean? Focus on his daughter and they can move or, you know what I mean? Something to that extent. So he like, uh, due to like the lot, rather large house and the, the, the privacy that, that entails, he was able to get these two bodies and sheets, you know, barely able to get them down the steps, you know what I mean? Into the trunk of his BMW, go upstairs, start cleaning frantically, changing sheets, you know what I mean? Doing the best he can, which, um, spent you know because the 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 person he worked with he told her like to keep his daughter at her house until he came back and got her you know um and so it was starting to get evening time when it was happening get dark and started raining and he uh and he's in this bmw and he knows that the only place you know that he could probably drop these bodies off 
when they where they would really disappear from good from when he was growing up and everything was like the swamps, you know, that like if he could get the bodies to the swamps and probably, you know, gators or something, you know what I mean, would get rid of them eventually or they decompose and not be found. So he uh, and he still mind you when I say like he's like able to think clearly, I, I mean, he's still like panicking in a way you know what i mean like what man rationally is going to be thinking you yeah. know what I mean? he's still like totally distraught about like what he did right what he did yeah exactly and he's just like sweaty palms you know what i mean heart rate's yeah. still up all that shit uh so he he drives to like these swamps that he he's aware of you know an area from when he was a child uh child and he um he's like dragging these body like trying to drag the body of his wife first because he can't do both you know what I mean? the bodies to take to deep enough into the swamps where he feels he can drop the body, you know, throw the body into some uh, body of water. Uh, and eventually while he's doing that, he finds himself getting deeper and deeper into the swamps and, and more lost, you know what I mean? And eventually uh, the, the, like the terrain changes and uh, he uh, it starts getting more panicked and he doesn't know where he's at. And he leaves like his wife's body around. He tries to find himself more and more and he's getting cut up by like, you know what I mean? The wildlife and the vegetation. And, and, uh, eventually he sees, um, he's like knocked out and he, you know, when he thinks he sees like a figure, a shadowy figure ahead of him. And next thing you know, he like, there's a blow upside his head and he's, and he's, um, knocked unconscious to, to awaken only to what, like I can call like a, and I don't mean to be like, be funny with this, but like a horrible Nine Inch Nails video gone bad. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like he basically is, um, physically severely physically and severely sexually abused uh uh for he doesn't know how much time has gone by like what and what i literally mean is like he's literally in a room um where like he, it's a black painted black wall he, he he believes it's just a room you know what i mean where anytime he wakes up there's new instruments in there or there's a new figure like he does he's never like known like the true of his his captor you know what i mean like it could be because it was like there was multiple people multiple things going in there doing things to him and literally there was no dialogue between him and anything you know what i mean and and for a while he felt like for like when it first started happening he felt like he was in hell like he must have died somehow and like this is punishment for him killing his wife and everything like that and he like has this weird sense of like what is happening to him is deserved and then after a while uh you know who knows, like I say, because it's almost like sensory deprivation in a way for him. Like he doesn't know how much time has gone by. But after a while, all these acts, he he, he starts um, uh, 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 taking retreat within himself. You know what I mean? He starts like, like you know, almost like not even aware of what's going on with him physically. Like he delves deeper into his mind and he starts realizing that there's like this, um, like that, like there's two feelings that were going on in his head when he was kidnapped still the remnants of the anger from when he killed his wife and the panic and depression of what he did. And those are like the only two things going on. And like that depression, like he deserves all this that's happening to him was like the largest feeling, but within there, like, like a seed was that anger, you know what I mean? That seeing red. And that started the more he dug into himself and the more he dug into himself while this fucking horrendous shit was going on to him, that anger, that little flame started coming out more and more. And like, he was like throwing tinder on it. You know what I mean? Throwing a little wood and more, more stuff that could catch on fire. Till eventually, like, just he snapped in the middle of getting it to him. I don't know if he killed whatever was doing it to him or if he, you know what I mean? It, they were so used to this, this subversive thing or if he was let go, who knows? But he was able to escape and run naked um, through pitch darkness. You know what I mean? Like, like all this was pitch darkness. You know what I'm saying? Like, there was no, like, like Arcadia. Arcadia to him, like I said, was almost like a sensory 
deprivation in a fucked up way. Uh, eventually, he came back to Fort Lauderdale. Uh, he came into Fort Lauderdale, and it was 10 years later. It was 1987 or 1990, I was thinking, because, yeah, it was 1990 when he came back. And um, he was uh, uh, taken in by the Autumn Court. I, I don't – I haven't really thought of, like, you know what I mean, how – how that came about or anything to that extent. I'm sorry. We can, uh, we can talk about that like specifically later. Um, but yeah. so far, keep going. But eventually he was able to get a new identity and Fort Lauderdale where he has like a, um, he has like a house that's on it on like the beach. Cause look, Fort Lauderdale has a beach, right? Yeah. Like on the beach oh, yeah. and, and we're a smaller house and he has a smaller practice, a way small practice basically catered to middle-aged or excuse me, middle-class mothers, you know, soccer moms who think that like they need some kind of like, you know, whatever nip tuck. And, um, but it, it's it, what he's like, a he, first of all, he's totally asexual now. Like he completely, any kind of like pleasure from anything physical or anything like that is never going to be in his life again. Like he's not attracted to anything. He's not like anything like that. Just from like the extreme, you know what I mean? Physical, yeah. sexual, uh, abuse that occurred to him. Like it's just him and his thoughts pretty much. Uh, he, um, he has respect in the autumn court. Like the autumn court respects him. Cause he has a, he has a, like he has a scholarly mind. You know what I mean? He basically went to medical school and like that. He has taken what he's learned about all this stuff and he's trying to ingest it. But, um, one thing that he does, like if he's not like obviously sit by himself cause he likes to read and he likes to sit by himself and look at the beach. Cause that's, he finds it to be calming. Cause he feels like, it's like, it's infinite and it's for real. You know what I mean? I like where he came from. You know what I mean? He can see it. You know what I'm saying? It, like, it's weird. Like the sound of the ocean really calms him, you know, hearing the waves crash. But when he does, uh, when he's doing his business as a practice plastic surgeon and he does all these things for these middle-class mothers and fathers, especially the mothers, he always tries to leave some little, uh, like a little trait that his wife had. You know what I mean? Like, like a little part of like a note, her nose or, or, cause he did surgery on his wife, you know what I mean? Or like her chin, uh, as a way of like, um, he did do her cause he does feel guilt. Like he shouldn't have killed her. He felt like he felt like he should just give her money and she could have left with this guy. You know what I mean? And he could have, um, he could have raised his daughter, you know, he looked in the newspaper. He found out that like his, what do you call it when like they're replaced? Your fetch? Yeah. His fetch is in prison doing okay. life in prison from the murder because they found the body in a car, the bodies with the fetch. He got pulled over. He's in prison. He has no idea where his daughter's at. His daughter's lost in the system. He hasn't really tried to look because he's afraid to find out. You know what I mean? Uh, but the anger, and this is one thing I want to explore to you. And we can, I mean, we'll talk about the dots later on, but you know, uh, well, I'll explain his appearance first, his appearance. Uh, cause it, like they have appearance and for everyone watching, I'm, I'm like new to Changeling. They have an appearance that mortals see, right? And then they have an appearance yeah. like the, the face see, right? So you have your you have your mask, which is which yeah. is basically what like the regular people on the street see when they look at you. Yeah, yeah, and it yeah. doesn't necessarily have to be the same way that you looked uh, before you were yeah. taken by the true fae. It could be different now, but it's basically just your the way that you look as as a person. And then you have your yeah, so, mean, I think it's the way it's pronounced, which is which is the the way that your your new changeling uh, self kind of manifests itself. Your through your like seeming yeah. and your kith. Exactly, and that's so like his his mask is like similar to when he left, but like he's aged ten years. You know what I mean? He has like bags under his eyes. He looks real somber and like 
melancholy, you know what I mean? And he's like, not like, he's kind of an introvert in a way, you know what I mean? When people see him, uh, he, he like will wear khakis and like polo shirts, but not as expensive as before. And like brown loafers, you know what I mean? He's like, toned down to a little bit. Right. Yeah. Yeah. He looks like a middle-aged guy. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. To be frank, he looks like a 40 year old dude. He has blonde hair, kind of a receding hairline, you know what I mean? Um, and, but he's, he's slender, you know, still, but his, his, his meme is uh like one of like um he looks almost like he he uh is is is, man i should pull that book i want to show that cover that i had you know what i mean but i should describe it he his is he looks like almost like a shadow but like you can see like but lighter like a grayer tone shadow and his and his eyes like his eye sockets you can't make out his eyes you know what i mean but his, uh, you can see like the shadows of his eye socket and the shadow of his mouth you know what i mean and like the form of his face you know what i'm saying but like not specific details uh and um so he has like this real eerie you know what i mean presence when he's around people like, like he's shapeless but one thing that um and, and this will tie into the thing i wanted to bring up is when he his his anger because he still has that anger that's like really boiling within him you know what i mean uh his his tone will change almost like like um if he was naked it would start from this it would start from like the center and spread out but like you you could see it creeping up on his hands or creeping up on his neck like almost like a rash you know what i mean it'll be like like reddish pinkish you know what i mean that will start coming up orangish you know and uh to show that his mood's changing and and not a lot of people have seen it, but people who have dealt with them, you know what I mean? Uh, especially the summer court, because he's a part of the autumn court, though, but the summer court knows that he has that in him because he has a summer court goodwill of four. And not like the story we're talking about, you know, before about like how he got that goodwill. Uh, Wayne, we're basically like, uh, what, what, what did you call them? The, the, the changelings who kind of are working spine for the faith? Oh, so uh, uh, loyalists. Oh, okay. So uh, loyalists, and those would be changelings who have kind of like, you know, secretly or openly aligned with the, the true fae. They're kind of like the traitors yeah. of changeling society. So basically my character, like, because he, he I, I don't want to use the term like he's stealthy, like he's some rogue, you know what I mean? Like doing traps or whatever, but because like he wants to be the gray man, that's literally what he is. There's a term like be the gray man, be someone that people don't notice. And that, that's his survival instinct, right? He doesn't want to be noticed. He felt like, you know what I mean? Like what got him being noticed. So with him being the gray man, he's able to be more observant. And he, and he, he pieced together that someone was a loyalist and, and like a fit of rage, like of anger. He like tracked this guy, went to this guy's house and literally just like went berserk murdered on this person. You know what I mean? It wasn't planned. It wasn't calculated. It was almost like how he killed his wife. But instead of using a gun, he just like bashed his head in with like a paperweight or, you know what I mean? Or some shit. The first thing he could found and just like murdered this dude and Patrick Bateman style. Not like Patrick Bateman style, but it was more like out of anger, you know, just like covered in blood and just sitting there. And someone from the summer court who was probably watching this, this loyalist, you know what I mean? Sees my character go up the stairs at first, like, oh, is this guy a traitor too? And then here's all this bashing and screaming, and then comes in, and my guy's just, like, got blood splattered all over him. There's blood splattered on the wall. And he had he goes through this phase where, like, anger boils, anger boils, he explodes, and then he goes down, and he's, like, like super introvert, you know what I mean? And he wants to be left alone, and he just wants to sit in his house, you know? So um, sit and not, and not be bothered and stare at the beach. So if that makes sense. Yeah, and I love that, I love that uh, you kind of, like, came up – came up with this story because I think it really is going to like tie into how the summer court, you know, would really respect an act like that. That's like totally what they're about is just uh, protecting, and you know, strength and stuff like that. And they would have, you yeah. know, they would have absolutely noticed uh, 
you know, regardless of what your actual court was, that that is just uh, that's the summer way of doing things. So that's yeah, awesome. basically, I want to. Yeah, I hope my pen. By the way, I was clicking my pen. I'm putting my pen back over there. I hope it wasn't like <laughs> going over what I said. I don't want to. Uh, uh, but uh, I wanted to be where like most people would be like, "Look at that pushover. He doesn't do shit." And a couple are like, "Oh no, dude." You know what I mean? Like I yeah. heard about. You know what I mean? Like there's a, like, there's a few who know. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. You know what um, I mean? So. And then uh, I was gonna ask you, um, has uh, has Raymond like told any of? Uh, of like the the changelings that he knows about, you know, his his story pretty much about what what he did or what's happened to him, or is that something that he, he keeps secret? I would think that like he, for the most part he's kept it secret, but I would think like I could see him telling like one person from the autumn court or whatever, you know what I mean? When they were first trying to introduce him, and then I could see like in a fit of like um just whatever emotions that he was overcame with after he killed that loyalist, whatever summer court change link went upstairs and found him there. You know what I mean? Like him just like spilling it all out to the guy, you know what I'm saying? So yeah. like, I'd say probably two people know, you know what I mean? But right. not that, he, but he, yeah, exactly. So. All right. Awesome. Um, and by the yeah. way, I was gonna, I totally like forgot to ask you guys like what your uh, mean and mask are. We'll just like, we'll, we'll, we'll catch that. Uh, when we go over this, the stats and stuff. So, um, okay. Think about that. Um, let me see what, what's like, what's Raymond's goal, man. Like if you were to ask him, like he probably wouldn't have an answer, but as his player, cause he's like, like I would say if he didn't have the anger in him, uh, he would be, he'd be dead cause he would have probably taken his life. You know what I mean? Like he'd be suicidal. But the only thing that like, titles he wants to see like uh he wants to see like all fade dead like 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 you know what i mean and i'm like almost like uh um like he doesn't know the true form of the fade that kidnapped him it could have been like yeah. different you know like different things that were like doing the shit to him or it could have been the same take a different form so he has this fear like he he like he would never recognize the person who kidnapped him you know what i mean and so uh to him the best way to get to to get revenge is to see <laughs> fucking true fade just dead you know what i mean and so i would say that's his goal but in the back of his head though there's a guilt too about his daughter you know what I mean? which we can explore but it's like he doesn't want his daughter to see him that this way and he like yeah. i said he's he's afraid almost of like what happened to her you know what i mean he's, he's afraid almost to like find out the truth because knowing that if it's bad it's his fault you know what i mean exactly yeah like he probably deep down would want to reconnect but doesn't know if that's even thing you can do now but also yeah. it's like you know he he'd have to find out like you know what's happened to her along the way and that could that could potentially be some some bad shit um yeah. and like so we're gonna go into the dots and stuff like that um i just wanted to bring up you have like uh three in occult knowledge for Faye, so you probably have like a pretty good understanding of like um you know, about, like, what they are and, like, how they operate and stuff like that. So I really think kind of think that, like, fits with your MO of just, like, you just, like, hate them and you want them all, like, dead or whatever. Uh, I think that's really cool. Yep. Um, anything else you yeah. want to add? That was awesome, by the uh, way. Oh, no, oh, thank you. Um, No, no, that's that's about it, I think, for now. All that's right. what I can think of. Hello, folks. Have you ever wished you could have an easy way to find gameplay videos and podcasts, or just media in general, 
that deals with your favorite white wolf role-playing games? Or have you ever wished you could find a forum to share gameplay that you have recorded, one which wouldn't be drowned out by random posts and discussion so that your media could get the attention you want? Well, we have the answer for you in a Facebook group we run called White Wolf RPGs Gameplay and Media. The group is specifically ran with the sole intent of it being a one-stop shop for people to view or share media involving the games we all love. We take thorough steps to ensure the page does not become cluttered and is easy to traverse. We are currently over 1,000 members strong, and we are continuing to rapidly grow with new media being shared every day. Stop on by! We hope to see you there. High Level Games, the industry's first choice in taking your games to the next level. We are a podcast blog and new media network at highlevelgames.ca. We have blog posts about all of your favorite games going up five days a week and a podcasting network with actual plays and shows that discuss role-playing games with more rolling out all the time. We are on iTunes, Twitch, and YouTube. Find out more information at highlevelgames.ca, a site that certainly isn't controlled by a shadowy board of directors of otherworldly origin. That's highlevelgames.ca. Please, help. They're coming. The mission seemed simple enough, don't they always? Simple sweep and flush-out operation. We loaded them up in a hazmat tanker in Montreal and shipped them to a downtown warehouse in the Valley of the Sun. It would have been in and out in a few nights. Well, we wouldn't be telling the story if it all went as planned, would we? I go ahead and uh, I pop Wyden. Alright, yeah, I'm going to run at him and do a sweet spin kick and knock his head off. We're waiting to see whether or not the abomination tells us. Shufflehead Chronicles is available on the Critical Hints feed. Search for Critical Hints in iTunes, Google Play, or any other podcatcher. I, I, I don't think this is how... No... The Los Angeles metropolitan area is constantly growing and changing. The central district is full of new buildings. The Hollywood and Wilshire districts, once far from downtown, now are part of a which spreads past Beverly Hills and out to the ocean. But why is all this going on in Los Angeles? Why is Los Angeles an exploding city? Neon Masquerade The Demon's Mirror Thirteen Candles 
Three Chronicles Running Through the Undead Veins of the City of Angels. The Esoteric Order of Role Players Actual Play Podcast invites you to drink deeply. Go to EORpodcast.com and search the Duets tag to find out more. Hi guys, I wanted to let you know about my YouTube channel, the video journals of Mike Bailey. Mike Bailey is a character I play in a live-action vampire game called New England Nightmares, which uses the new Finite Studio rules for Mind's Eye Theatre. The Chronicle's set in the city of New Haven, Connecticut, and we run on the third Saturday of every month in Southington, Connecticut. Most of the credit for the stories told in my journals comes from the plots developed by the amazing storytellers who run my game. So the videos on my channel are basically an in-character video logs of the newly sired venture Mike Bailey. They follow him from his days as a naive mortal, to his violent embrace during the Anarch Revolt in the City of London, and on to his arrival on the shores of New Haven. The journals show Mike trying to come to terms with his kindred nature, his powerful but impure blood, and his attempts to hide his past from other members of the court of Prince Lucius. So I put out updates every two weeks, and I love feedback and questions, so check out my channel, subscribe, and leave me a comment.